The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Well, we are, uh, I don't know, basically in the middle of a series right now called Dust to Dust, Stories of Transformation. And and for this series, uh, what we've been doing is looking at the stories of transformation that have taken place in the lives of the people who, who call Axe Church Leander their home. And so we've been looking at these stories of how God has been at work in people's lives right here. And so a few weeks ago, we, we started with, uh, with Sandy Broussard, and she shared with us her story. And then the next week, I shared a little bit about our story as a church. And last week, our, our brother Ron Jackson shared with us about how God just worked in, in a powerful way in his life. But this week, oh, oh, uh, we, uh, we have, uh, we have, how, <laughs> uh, we have how, how God worked in the lives of two families, really, uh, the Hueys and the Lees. So we have a lot of extra seating up front today. And uh, sorry, Brianna. And um, but but we get to hear about what, what God has done uh, in their lives and in their neighborhood and how His His Spirit's been at work. And so we're excited for that. Uh, but but part of what we've been doing is as we've looked at our own stories of transformation, we've then of course looked at stories of of transformation that happen in Scripture. And we've said, how is God's word in our lives intersecting with the stories of transformation we see in Scripture? How do we see those in our own stories that that God is at work in us? right now. And so the text uh, I just read for you today, uh, that we just read, is the story of transformation that, that we're looking at. And it certainly is a story of transformation, right? I don't know if you caught it, but, but there's a boy who's brought to Jesus, and he's possessed by, by a demon that makes him deaf and mute and throws him on the ground in violent convulsions so much that he, he foams at the mouth. And so Jesus shows up, tells the demon to get lost, and he does. He goes. It's gone. Now that's transformation, right? It's a kid who has a demon, meets Jesus, demon's gone. It's transformative. And while that experience was uh, certainly transformative of the boy, I actually want us to focus on the boy's father today. We're going we're gonna to look at him because I think there's a lot we can learn from the boy's father in our text for today. And one of the first things we see about this father uh, is that he has this great desire to see Jesus. That he's actually, he's desperate to see Jesus. He's desperate for his son to be healed. And I think feelings of desperation are probably something we can all relate to, right? Like at one point or another, you felt desperate for something. Um, so, for example, recently, this, this happened to me. Uh, my in-laws were in town from Wisconsin, which is probably cause enough for desperation, but, but they were in town from, from Wisconsin all week. And uh, whenever someone comes to visit us from out of town, we like to take them uh, down to South Congress and, you know, tow them around because it's a little Austin-y thing. And, but I actually have a, a selfish motive as to why I always want us to go down to South Congress when people visit because on Congress, there's this little slice of heaven right here on earth. Uh, it's this little store called Big Top Candy. Have you all ever heard of it? Been there? Reppin'? Hungers? Excellent. It's so good, right? It's, it's incredible. Like, and, and I love candy. Like, I love it. And I'm not talking like fancy candy, like don't give me your dark chocolate with the sea salt crumbled on top. I'm not interested. All right? I don't want that. I want like the most processed, refined, gummy, like sour molded piece of gelatin that I can have. Like I want to have cavities from one piece of it. Like that's, that's what I like. And so when we go to South Congress and we take friends there, mom, I mean, Melissa lets me get like a, uh, a five-pound bag of, of candy. Thanks for catching that. 
And so, so we're going to take my, my in-laws to, to Congress, and I'm all excited because I get to go to Big Top Candy. Uh, but the only day we could take them was yesterday, was Saturday, and that's the day that they flew out. And so we had to, to go there on the way to the airport and, and then go. So we, we take them down there, and we're, we're going to grab lunch. And so we, we go to Hop Dottie, and for those of you that have been there, it is always an eternally long line. And yesterday was no different. And so we wait in line, and unfortunately, we had to wait in line so long that we didn't have time to, to truly do South Congress because we had to get them to the airport. So my heart sank, you know, like, oh, Big Top Candy is just down the road, you know, like that sweet sugary goodness is just down the road. What am I going to do? And so I said, you know what? I'm desperate. I don't care. We're this close. I can make it. And so I'm like, I don't care that it's at the opposite end of the street. I'm going for it. And so I was like, I'll catch up with y'all. We'll get them to the airport on time. And so I start the power walk. I'm like, oh, I got to get the candy. We got to make it on time. And then I, I turn into a sprint and I'm like shoving kids out of the way and, and jumping over traffic and like doing whatever I can to get to Big Top Candy to get this delicious candy because I, you know, I'm desperate for it. I'm craving it. And I get it. I get it. It's good. I got the bag. I got the cavities. We're good to go. Um, now, if I can get that excited and energized over a bag of candy, I think we can only imagine how desperate this father is in our text. That he has this son who's been afflicted by this demon in such a terrible way for so long that he just wants him to be healed so badly. And so in desperation, this father comes up to Jesus and he asks him to heal his boy. Look with me at, at verses 17 and 18 in our text. It says, And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And so here's this dad whose son has this terrible affliction and he's just desperately seeking someone to heal him. He's desperately seeking someone to help and so he brings the boy to Jesus. He brings the boy to Jesus, which is a great move on the father's part because Jesus is this guy who he's probably heard can, can heal people. He's this guy who, who can cast out demons. He's this guy who's this great teacher. And so he sees his son is in need and his trigger is, well, if my son's in need, where do I go? I'm going to bring him to Jesus. That's what the father does. He brings him to Jesus. And I think that begs a question of each of us this morning. That is, who are you bringing to Jesus? Who are you bringing to Jesus? You see, this father saw that his son was broken and oppressed and shackled by this demon and he did something about it. He brought his son to the only one who could heal him and free him. You see, and scripture tells us again and again that, that those who are apart from, from Christ's love, those who are apart from, from faith in Jesus, that they are under darkness, that they're ensnared by sin. That there's brokenness all around this world and Jesus is the one to fix it. And so who are you bringing to Jesus? And with what desperation are you bringing them to Jesus with? And I realize a, a question like that can, can cause a few reactions. Uh, hopefully some of you are like, yeah, all right, empowered. But, but there's some negative reactions I know that happen when, with a question like that. The first one is maybe guilt, where I say something like, who are you bringing to Jesus? You're like, no one's coming to mind. And so you think, oh man, Christians were supposed to do that thing and tell people about Jesus. So no one's coming to mind and so, so you feel guilty. That happens. 
others of you, it may be frustration because you're thinking maybe at, at yourself, at God, at whatever, where you, someone does come to mind. You think, man, I've been praying for this person and I've invested in them and I care about them and they don't seem any closer to Jesus at all. They don't seem any closer. So there's frustration. I get that. And then others of you may just be uncomfortable. Maybe uncomfortable, like, this has kind of been your issue with Christianity. Like, why do they want other people to believe what they believe? That just seems so narrow. Like, why, why are y'all doing that? Okay? There's different reactions you can have to a question like that. Who, who are you bringing to Jesus? And, and we'll get to those in a little bit. But, but what I want us to do, actually, is, is hear a story of two families that brought Jesus to each other. And the joy that sort of emerges when those two families did that. It's, it's this, this great picture of what happens when, when two families bring Jesus to each other. And so we're going to take a, a minute and, and we'll watch this video. Hopefully you got a chance to watch it online. Uh, but if not, you get to watch it now. And then we'll have the Hueys and Lees come up and, and we'll ask them some questions. Hi, we're the Hueys. And we're the Lees. And we're the Lees. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we better do that. You're supposed to mold them. No, no. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, we're the Hueys, and we're the Lees, and this is our story. Oh my God! Hi, we're the Hueys, and the Lees, and this is our story. Well, you know, we moved here about 15 months ago, and when we move someplace, we always are hoping that we'll first off get to know our neighbors, and secondly, be able to bless our neighbors. Uh, we didn't know that. Um, God was going to kind of flip it around this time, and he was going to give us neighbors who were going to bless us. Shortly after we moved in, we've been putting in plants and stuff, and Corey uh, had put in a really nice bush on his yard, and I just made the comment, wow, that's a really cool bush. I'd like to get one like that. And then, I don't know, a couple hours later, we looked out the window, and there he was planting a, a bush just like it in, in our yard. I think it's more of a family bond, yeah. And, uh, and just that, mere neighbors. And if we have questions, you always come to see, you know. He's our elder. Our elder. <laughs> <laughs> and Grace. I wanted to raise my children, you know, to be followers, followers of Jesus Christ. I didn't want them to be any religion, per se. I wanted them to grow up and actually choose what they wanted to do. I mentioned to Steve that my children were baptized and we had gone to a movie that really scared them and they didn't feel protected. And I felt protected because, I mean, I'd been baptized and I'd been raised a Catholic and hadn't been practicing anymore. It was like I might have lost my religion but never my faith. I've always been a follower of Jesus Christ and that's what led me to being a nurse and always wanting to help because I felt that 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 was a way that I could uh, be a follower of Jesus and not having to go to church. You know, it was, I was doing Jesus' work as I was working. But I always wanted my children to be baptized and Steve offered to help. They were the first baptism in our new church. Right, and that was a real special way to get to know your neighbors. Grace and I were kind of in the autumn of our lives and, you know, Corey Jr. and Hey, speak for yourself. Springtime of their lives, and you guys are in the summer, I guess we'll call it. And so, you know, it's really neat to see how each season of our lives has special times and things that happen. And I think, you know, for me, um, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of the story, just that 
idea that um, God was already here. He was already working in this community, in this neighborhood. He is already here. He's already at work many times in the lives of individuals that we come in contact with every day. And so that's been a blessing just from that perspective to reaffirm that, that he's here. We're not out on our own. He's here. I think another message that I've seen in this whole story is moving away from going to church to being the church right where you live. Just doing what it takes to make life better for each other and for other neighbors as well. Well, if we could uh, welcome the Huey and the Lees uh, up front this morning. Alex, I'm giving this to you first. Oh, thanks for coming up, guys. Thank you. Are nice chairs. Um, so, love the video, love the story. And, and in the video, though, Alex, you mentioned uh, partway through that uh, that after watching a movie, uh, your children were, were disturbed by some part of it, and and so you you approached uh, Steve about about baptism. And you know, I sort of think about it like you know, I get along with my neighbors pretty well, uh, but I don't regularly go up and say. Let's talk about baptism today. You know, like it's not, a, it's not, not too common that that happens. So what was it about Grace and Steve that, that really made you feel comfortable enough to, to approach them about a, a topic that can sometimes maybe be a little sensitive for people? Well, um, actually, I was telling Steve about the movie, and it was kind of um, demon-related. And I was telling them that they were so scared that they slept in the same room and of course, my husband, <laughs> my husband uh, increased their fear by going in there and yanking on them. You know, <laughs> you know. So it would, he he dad. made it extra terrifying yeah. for them, like dads do. Yeah, right, right, right. And so Steve was kind of saying, "I would never watch a movie like that." And he had experience with that situation. And he's and I was telling him that I felt protected, like I said, you know, because I was baptized. So Steve offered. And, I mean, he told me about a story that he had, you know, kind of with kind of related to the movie. Yeah. And I just felt that he was generous in offering that. And I said, sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, awesome. we just continued, you know, our conversation, all his story and ours. And, of course, my husband, like I said, it helped them along. Helped them along. That's right. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. Well, very cool. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I love about your story, though, is that it, it's not like a, a one-sided thing where it's like, oh, thank goodness Grace and Steve are here, the glorious couple descending upon the rest of us. But, uh, I mean, you guys are great. But, but, but really, uh, but, but what it is is, is that, y- you know, you guys blessed them and, and, and they blessed you and there's this kind of just incredible connection between the two families. And so, Steve, I just want to touch on a comment that you said. You said, you know, you guys, when you, when you moved somewhere and you just moved here 15 months ago, um, you, you're always, you, you pray about ways you can bless your neighbors. You pray about connecting with your neighbors. But you said, you know, this time our neighbors actually, well, I guess Grace said, this time our neighbors actually blessed us. And so I wonder if you could unpack that a little bit and, and how has 
how have the, the Lees been blessings to you as neighbors, and, and what have you seen God do in, in that relationship? Okay, well, I guess when I was thinking about this question, you asked me several days ago, um, I knew we didn't have a lot of time, so I came up with four words to kind of capture it. Nice. Hopefully that's okay. Perfect. Uh, the, the first one is um, generosity, and uh, the second one is hospitality, and then service, and the last one is community. And I think I've seen all of those words being fulfilled in this family. Uh, and hopefully we have been able to model that somewhat too. Uh, but for example, I remember the very first time I met anybody in the family, it was the first day we moved in. And our our uh, truck shows up with all of our stuff, you know, the moving truck. And because they had a, a vehicle in front of our, uh, close to our house, which made it hard for them to park this big truck, I had to go over and, you know, rattle the door and see if I could get somebody up. It was 7 in the morning, I think it was. It was pretty early. But we had this short window to get this truck off the street before we got arrested. So we figured, you know, we better get the, somebody to help move that, that other vehicle. So we knock on the door. And I think everybody else was either asleep or whatever, but finally Corey comes to the door, and I said, I think I woke you up. And if I recall, he honestly replied, well, I worked all night. I thought, oh my gosh, I just woke this guy up, from, and he had worked all night. But instead of being upset, he actually willingly moved the vehicle, and then he said, can I do anything to help? And you know, it was just very interesting how... He wanted to be a real neighbor and didn't feel that I had just, you know, got him out of bed, which I had. And that's been the attitude we've seen throughout our time together, you know, just a servant heart, uh, generosity, sharing whatever uh, cookies or whatever people have extra, or, you awesome. know, definitely hospitality. We always can feel comfortable to go in their house and they come into ours. I remember one night we had this... Uh, terrible storm and uh, lightning actually hit their house we thought it hit ours too but wow it was a really awful storm last summer and so we got a phone call about 10:30, and they said uh, we just we just got hit here and I said yeah I think I saw it you know and uh, we had already gone to bed but we weren't sleeping because of all this racket and mm -hmm. so they ended up coming over because the fire trucks had come by that time, and we had all this stuff going on outside, you know, and Corey was trying to kind of direct traffic with all that, and we were inside kind of praying and hoping that we were all going to be Can okay. Can I pause you real quick, just because that reminds me of my favorite part of this story, is, uh, so <laughs> lightning strikes the house, and, um, and Corey's a police officer, is probably the simplest way to put it, but, but police officer, and, uh, and so lightning strikes the house, and Alex is like, Corey, you know, we got to do something, we got to call 911, and he goes, I am 911. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, just sense, I just felt very comfortable that they felt comfortable enough to to come over in their pajamas and you know hang out with us for a while and awesome. we know that we could do the same thing if we had something like that happen too. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, so as as we close our our time with y'all up here though, I think you know the incredible thing about your story is this um I mean, I want to live in your neighborhood, right? I mean, that, like, that, it's, it's that sort of thing where, where God's at work in, in your families in such a unique way that, that when I think about our neighborhoods with our, 
our fences and, and separating ourselves from each other. You guys have this, this beautiful openness together, and I think that's wonderful. Uh, I wonder, if is, is there any sort of last thought, anything as you think about the story of what God's been doing in your lives uh, that, that you'd want to share with our church, uh, that, that you'd want our folks here to hear, if anyone wants to? Yeah. I guess what I want everybody to take from it is that when you're open to other people or helping other people, sometimes they turn around and help you back. Mm. You know, they help save my children or, you know, just bring them to the church. So it's like sometimes you're out to help others and they can help you back. Yeah, so it's like Very cool. Yeah, I'd just like to share this. I, I think that really it's not so complicated. It's about living an ordinary life but maybe with some intentionality, mm. the intentionality of just trying to be a disciple and to live out your faith in your daily life and being willing to think about what does God want me to do and be as a disciple. Mm. And it just should follow kind of naturally. Yeah, just flows from who you are. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, if we can say thanks to, to the Lees and the Hueys, then you guys can sit down. Thank you. So what, what, I, uh, what I love about their story, and, and I hope you picked up on it, is, is there's kind of this delicate balance there, uh, where on the one hand, it's, it's normal, and on the other hand, it's kind of weird. And, and on, on the one hand, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty simple story, and then on the other, it's, it's really complex. There's, there's this weird balance. Like, like it's, it's normal for, for neighbors uh, to become friends. Like, that happens, Right? But neighbors becoming sponsors of your kids' baptisms is a little weird. That doesn't happen every day, right? And being friendly with your neighbors is normal. Uh, doing voluntary landscaping for them uh, without them even asking for it is pretty weird. It's extraordinary. It's a good thing, but it's just a little weird, right? And it's not crazy for people to live near each other and end up at the same church. But if you weave together all their stories, the Lees and the Hueys, and, and everything that sort of led them to this point... It's really a, a beautiful mosaic. And this beautiful picture is painted because you have two families who are bringing, Jesus, bringing each other to Jesus together in word and in action. You have two families who are bringing each other to Jesus in word and in action. And see, throughout Jesus' ministry, whenever he does his work throughout Scripture, he's always doing both of those things, word and action. He's speaking the truth, he speaks the gospel, but that's always accompanied by some form of service, by some form of action. And we actually see this in our text for today. Uh, that we see that this, this demon throws this boy to the ground and, and he's convulsing and it's, it's just bad news and Jesus goes into action. And look with me at verses 25 to 27. It says, and when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And you see the word and the action. Verse 25, Jesus speaks and he tells the demon to leave. He tells it to get lost and it does. But then verse 27, what does he do? Action. Reaches down, grabs this boy's hand and lifts him up. And so 
I don't know how you responded when I asked who are you bringing to Jesus if you felt nervous or, or frustrated or, or guilty or uncomfortable, whatever. Uh, but, but as we think about this and we think about this story today, I, I want to draw your attention to something that, that Alex alluded to in the visit video and, and Steve just said outright. And that's as, as Christians, as we think about bringing people to Jesus, we need to have our minds shift from going to church on Sunday which is a good thing to do, I encourage it, but to being the church every day. Shift from going to church on Sunday to being the church every day. And you say, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? And, and Steve, I think, touched on it so wonderfully at, at the end of their interview there. But it means that we bring people to Jesus with our words and with our actions. That we, we speak the truth and we serve. And so if you're still thinking like, okay, that's fine, Gabe, but I still feel weird about this. I'm, I'm still feeling a little nervous or guilty or frustrated by this idea of bringing to people with Jesus. Look with me again at the, the father in our text for today. We're going to step back in time a little bit in the story. But remember this father, he asked Jesus to heal his boy. And Jesus tells him, or Jesus asks him, how long has this been going on? And the father says, it's been going on since childhood, since, since he was little. In other words, it's been going on for years, that this kid has been afflicted for years. And so he tells Jesus, if you can do anything to help, please do. And Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible for those who believe. And then in verse 24, we get what I think is one of the most beautiful verses in all of scripture. Look at it with me. It says this, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Man, like who here doesn't get that desperate cry, right? Have you ever been there? Been through that, right? The honesty of this desperate man before Jesus, he asks him to heal his son. And as we consider bringing people to Jesus, there's a great truth we need to learn from this father. And the great truth we need to learn from this father is this. Get honest with God. Get honest with God. See, the father owns up to the fact that he's got doubts. He says, I believe, but, but I've got this here. I don't quite get it. I've got a few doubts. And so what would happen if you did the same thing? What if you told God, listen, I know you've told me I'm, I'm supposed to bring people to Jesus, but, but I think it's weird, or I'm nervous about it, or I don't want to, I'm lazy, I, wh whatever it is. You just lay it out there. Man, how would God respond to that sort of honesty? Well, how does Jesus respond to this desperate and doubt-filled father? I'll tell you how he doesn't respond. He doesn't say, oh, I knew it. I knew you had some doubts. Definitely not going to heal your kid now. Good luck, buddy. Right? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, well, you get yourself together first. You figure it out, and then I'll do something. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say, well, that wasn't quite what I was looking for, but... You know, I'll do it anyways. No, this guy is honest with Jesus. He says, I've got some doubts. Help me overcome them. He confesses his doubts. And then right then and there, Jesus heals his boy. Because that's what Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. He's the healer. He's the redeemer. And so church, can, can I encourage you to get honest with God? Get honest with God. That whatever you've got, anything that's, that's preventing you from taking that next step, anything that's preventing you from, from bringing other people to Jesus, anything that's preventing you from really experiencing his grace, get honest with God, lay it out there. 
and receive his healing. Because it's real. It's real. Then let's bring people to Jesus. If you all please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that even though our faith may be weak sometimes, even though we may be nervous and uncomfortable and uncertain about following you, you are always certain. You are always sure. You are always there. Lord God, teach us to trust in you more and more. God, I thank you for for the Hueys and Lees and their willingness to share their story. Pray that you continue to bless them and their neighborhood. Teach us to, to be neighbors in that same way. Teach us to love those that you've placed in our lives. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.